Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you're having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 1.13 a.m. Monday night slash Tuesday morning. I'm getting this podcast to you one day late because I was out of town this week. I actually wasn't at church. Uh, I was working a wedding, which is really awesome. But what's not awesome is missing church. I, I hate it. I tried to work it out so that I could come, but it just just wasn't going to happen. Um, so I missed everybody. Uh, but thanks to everyone for just being amazing and making everything happen without me. Special shout out to Riley, who was doing tech. And um, yeah, it's really cool to know that at any point, any of us can kind of step away for a little while and the whole thing kind of keeps going, which is crazy because, you know, it's not too long ago and it was just like an idea and a dream at a Starbucks. <laughs> uh, but now different churches like existing and thriving and doing awesome. And we're just so thankful for you. And we're so thankful for everyone who attends. And we're especially thankful for everyone who listens on the podcast. Um, special shout out if you maybe like don't live near us. That's really, really cool. And you are awesome. So anyway, sorry for getting this to you late. But uh, here it is. I actually haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I'm going to try and listen tomorrow. I do know that this is uh, going to be called A Life Worth Living. And um, I'm I'm betting that it's going to be a podcast worth listening to. hey Okay, one announcement for you, but I'm actually going to kind of let Hannah take care of most of it. Uh, this coming Sunday, if you attend in person, we are having a potluck. Okay, so potluck next Sunday. How many of y'all grew up in church? Okay, how many of y'all have potlucks? The best part of church. You can leave all the rest. We have to recover from the rest. <laughs> Nobody has ever had to recover from a potluck unless you ate too much and you couldn't breathe. <laughs> so bring something. We will have all the utensils. We will have all the drinks. Um, but bring a dish to share. It doesn't have to be like for 50 people. Just bring like a casserole or chips if you don't like cooking like me, um, or anything that you can share. It, the theme is Hispanic Heritage Month, so if you know how to cook Hispanic food, please do. And if you don't, you don't have to try. <laughs> you don't have to inflict your recipe tests on us. <laughs> okay, you're allowed to bring your white people food. <laughs> if you want to bring mac and cheese, everyone will love you forever. Everyone loves mac and cheese. Um, happy pumpkin spice latte season. If you celebrate. <laughs> uh, I don't celebrate because I hate pumpkin spice. I'm not hating on you. I'm just holding out for the chestnut praline latte in November. <laughs> but Eggnog. <laughs> I mean, I love that journey for you. <laughs> I see you. I see you all out there with your pumpkin spice pretending like it's not one billion degrees outside. I also am pretending it's fall. As you can tell, I'm wearing a wool cardigan. It's fine. We all have our little pretend things we like to believe. Now, today, on this first day of September 2022, our passage is from Luke chapter 12, and it's a message that sometimes gets turned into like an end times run for your lives type of interpretation, which y'all know those are my favorite. Um, <laughs> for me, these words of Jesus are actually really beautiful and really hopeful, and they teach us about how to live a life that's worth living. So we're going to read the passage together, and then we're going to discuss just like we always do. This is Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 38. Can I have my water, please? I just ate a giant peanut butter ball. <laughs> and that was um, a mistake. 
Verse 32, don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives God great happiness to give you the kingdom. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven can never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. Be dressed for service, keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from a wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them and put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn because you know it was a party. (laughs) He's coming from a wedding. I just want you to know. Sounds like they had an open bar. But whenever he comes, (laughs) he will reward the servants who are ready. Okay. These verses were kind of popular. They're kind of popular in most church, but like definitely the church I grew up in, there was a lot of talk about the end of the world and of Jesus coming soon and not focusing on earthly things because you need to store up treasures where? In heaven. (laughs) And there was talk of, you better make sure Jesus is number one in your heart because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, you better make sure your relationship is not the treasure in your heart. It better be Jesus. You better make sure your job is not the treasure in your heart, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. We've all heard this. I have heard this passage preached many times from the perspective that we just need to be ready at any moment for Jesus to come from the clouds in a flash of lightning. We need to be living on the edge, just waiting, just constant anxiety, waiting for the end of the world. And I think that is a fear-based message, personally. I don't know where I would get that idea, but I think it's a fear-based message. (laughs) But like, if you just open your eyes and look around, it does seem like there's some things to be afraid of. Am I wrong? Like we have terrorism and war and the economy and inflation and global warming and unemployment and hunger and poverty and homelessness and disease and death, and it's impossible to escape, right? Like, if you want to be scared, just drive on I-4 for five minutes. It's the highway to hell. Just fun fact, I used to work in auto insurance. I-4 is one of the most dangerous roads in the country, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Also, Tampa, the Tampa Bay area is the most dangerous place for pedestrians in the country <laughs> based on fatalities per capita. So, you know, just get out there and ride your bike. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is turning into a doom and gloom message. That's not where I'm going with this. Just, you know, if, if you don't want to be afraid when you go outside, just stay home where you can watch the news yell at you about horrible things 24-7. Or, or leave your phone notifications on so that you can be notified of up-to-the-minute information on local tragedies. Or be very cool and turn off the radio and listen to podcasts <laughs> about how awful people can be in real life, also known as true crime. If you feel attacked, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I can't handle true crime. It makes me very upset. Because it's true. <laughs> I don't want to watch or listen to anything that's like related to actual life. I get enough of that in my actual life. Uh, If we were not afraid before, we are certainly encouraged by like the media and social media and our culture and the echo chambers we sometimes live in to be afraid now. We say this all the time. Like I've just heard this so many times. It's the worst it's ever been in this country. Have you heard this? 
Okay, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say that, but it's a ridiculous statement because it's clearly false. Is it pretty bad? Yeah. Is it the worst it's ever been? No. No one in here is worried about dying from tuberculosis, are you? <laughs> we are not meeting secretly because we're afraid the government's going to come in and arrest us all. We are not worried that at any second nuclear war is going to break out like we were in the 80s. I say we, like I was only there alive for like one year of the 80s. <laughs> we, my parents. <laughs> but like things aren't super great either. There's plenty going wrong in our society. There's plenty going wrong in our world. And we like to be very like, we like to catastrophize things and be like, it's the worst it's ever been. And guess what? When Jesus spoke these words in Luke, everyone thought it was the worst it had ever been then too. The Romans controlled everything. There was riots, there was unrest, there was illness. Most people didn't live past 40. So if you were born in the 80s, better watch out. <laughs> the taxes people had to pay were outrageous. And into all that fear, into all of these people being like, it's the worst it's ever been. Jesus said, don't be afraid, little flock. It gives God great happiness to give you the kingdom. That isn't just fake comfort. That's not just like pleasantries from a friend who doesn't know what to say. It's not an advertising campaign that's like, does this life suck? Try the afterlife. <laughs> it is a reassurance that what we see around us is not all there is. Our fears related to our everyday lives do not have the last word. Jesus is reminding everyone that God is not only sovereign, but actually cares. And I think throughout the book of Luke, Jesus gives all kinds of reminders of this. So here's a couple. Are you afraid of dying? or being killed, remember that God is concerned with even the hair on your head. That's Luke 12, four through seven. Are you worried about having something coherent to say when someone questions your faith? Have confidence that God will give you the words to say when you need to say them. That's Luke 12, eight through 12. Are you afraid of the future? Does fear and uncertainty about the future cause you to disregard the needs of other people and hoard things? Remember, you can't take it with you anyways. So you might as well share now. Luke 12, 13 through 21. Are you worried about food or clothing? Or am I, this is the Hannah translation. Are you worried about your mortgage payment or your car payment or your student loan payment or the fact that inflation has made grocery shopping like an intense college level math experience? <laughs> Where you're like, can I afford this steak this week? Nope. <laughs> Don't let your anxiety about these things take you away from the main task in life, which is to love God and love people and bring that love into the world in a meaningful way. Luke 12, 22 through 31. Worrying about things doesn't actually make a difference in life or in death. I know, you can trust me, I know. Anxiety is like a constant friend of me in my life. Uh, Getting a good worry on is one of my spiritual gifts. But guess what? Worrying does not change the outcome. It never has. It never will. It only makes us more unhappy in the present. Here's a personal example from like the month of August, which I'm terribly glad is over. Most of you know I had emergency surgery three weeks ago. I was about six weeks pregnant 
and we lost that baby because it implanted into one of my fallopian tubes, causing it to rupture. It was kind of a nightmare. Like, that's not how I wanted it to end. But also, even if I thought it was going to end, I didn't think it was going to end like that. I can't think of how it could have ended worse than having emergency surgery for something that could have been fatal. But I knew that I was pregnant for two weeks before that happened. So for two weeks, I had a choice. I could be anxious the whole time, worrying about the worst case scenario, what could happen, or I could accept that worrying was not going to change the outcome, but it would change my present experience. With Nova, who will be two in December, I don't, what is time? I don't understand how that happened. I was anxious for the entire nine months she was in my body. Like, I just constantly was worried that something was going to happen to her. We had a loss before her, and pregnancy after a loss is wild. Like, it is hard not to think it's temporary. It's hard to get attached. It's hard not to panic at every doctor's appointment and ultrasound. And oh, panic I did, let me tell you. Um, but I didn't do that this time. I let myself be happy. I let myself be excited. I still had moments where I was anxious because I'm a human person. But I took a lot of deep breaths and I told myself over and over again that I'm pregnant unless someone tells me I'm not. And I thought about the future and like, I was happy. It was a really lovely two weeks. And then the terrible thing happened, which was the doctor being like, you're losing this baby and we're gonna lose you if we don't have surgery in like two hours. Like everything I did not wanna happen happened. But guess what I have this time that I did not have after our loss in 2019? I have good memories. I have two weeks spent being happy, loving that baby, choosing to be present and grounded in the moment, no matter what the outcome was going to be. And so I not only don't have to add two weeks of intense anxiety to the list of things I have to recover from. I don't have to beat back those terrible thoughts that pop up in your mind that say, I told you so. I told you this was going to end terribly because guess what? I didn't tell myself so. <laughs> so I can't say that. What I told myself instead was, I have this moment today and I'm going to enjoy it. And I did. It was always going to end that way. I never had any control. The only thing I could choose to believe was that no matter what the outcome would be, that that baby would be held for its whole life. Just as we are held for our whole lives by God. We do not have a God who set the universe in motion and then sat back and watched it with like the morbid curiosity of a third grader watching ants in a terrarium. Like, hmm, are they gonna eat each other? We have a God who cares about birds as insignificant as sparrows. We have a God who cares about flowers like lilies that bloom for one time a year and for like a couple weeks. We have a God whose concern for humans extends to the hair on our bodies, which we yank out by accident. 
when we're brushing it in a hurry. I want, to, I want you to think about this. When is the last time you cared at all about your beard hair or your armpit hair or your leg hair that you were shaving or waxing or trimming or nearing off of your body? When was the last time you cut some excess hair off of your vacuum cleaner roller without being supremely annoyed? God notices even those hairs. And that same God wants to share the treasures of heaven with us. Jesus said to people who were living in fear, who were convinced that it was the worst it had ever been, who were imagining all kinds of terrible outcomes and scenario, he said, don't be afraid. It gives God great happiness to give you the kingdom. And I think it's incredibly meaningful that Jesus would say that, knowing what the outcome was already. He says, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, don't imagine the worst case scenario. And he already knows he's going to die. He's giving reassurance, even knowing in advance that the outcome would not be what they wanted it to be. But what they will have at the end is an outcome that would have happened anyways, that was already out of their control without all the anxiety and stress up front. It gives God great happiness to give you the kingdom. What a beautiful sentence. When was the last time you considered how delighted it makes God to give you the kingdom? And what is the kingdom made of? Peace, belonging, healing, hope. Have you considered that you are worthy of those things? Because God thinks you are. Humans may have said otherwise, but what we see around us is not all that there is. It is incredibly easy to turn this into like a fire and brimstone into the world message where we just pile fear and shame on each other for all the ways we're failing to heal and grow and progress. But I would argue that in this passage, the focus is not on the end times, it's on the end ways. And by that, I mean the consistent message is not, you better get your act together (laughs) and you better get ready so you can avoid being punished. No, it's the message is be ready so that you can be blessed. Because the ones who are ready in this passage get a party thrown for them. The owner of the house gets in the kitchen and cooks for them after he's been up all night at a wedding. That gives me like Thanksgiving vibes. Like when your uncle who never cooks anything, he like gets in the kitchen to make his famous fried turkey. That gives me like Food Network, like when there's a famous chef or restaurateur and they're just like, yes, I'm gonna invite my friends over for a little party. And then he cooks like, or she, or they, cook like the most miraculous array of food that you could ever, like it would take me three days to cook what this person cooked in like 47 minutes just because they want to get together. Just like, hey, this is what I'm good at and I want to share this with you. Let's have a party. This is not a you better watch out message. Better not cry. Better not pout. Telling you why. (laughs) Because God's judging the world. Oh, you thought it was about Santa? 
<laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> Christmas doesn't start until November 1st. Or if you're my husband, who's a Scrooge, it doesn't start until December 1st. <laughs> but guess what? I don't care. <laughs> this is not that message. It's a pay attention. Let go of your worries. The outcome is going to happen either way. It might be terrible, but it might be great. You don't know. And guess what? Worrying is not going to make a difference. But it will make a difference on your present mindset. The outcome is going to happen either way, but there is a wonderful meal to be shared in the meantime. If the outcome is great, then great. Then you have two great memories. And if the outcome is terrible, well, then you still have a great memory. I think the question asked by this passage is really simple. What is a life worth living? Do we want to live lives like our culture tells us to do? of taking and hoarding and holding tightly to things and overthinking and stressing and worst case scenarioing ourselves to death, literally doing that until we die? Or do we want to live lives of giving and sharing and being open and healing and forgiving and living in the moment and being present and grounded? If you are uncomfortable, if you are in deep pain, if you are angry, if you are yearning, if you are confused, you do not have a problem. You have a life. We will never change the fact that being human is in fact hard. So we have to change our idea that it was ever supposed to be easy because it's hard both ways. Living is hard. Not living is harder. Trusting each other, trusting yourself, hard. Not trusting yourself, much harder. Faith is hard, we know. <laughs> Especially when you're coming from all the places we've come from. Denying your soul and denying the faith that lives inside of you is harder. Being honest is hard. <laughs> but keeping up with all the lies and half-truths and things that you pretend to be so that other people won't, what, judge you, it's harder. Accepting yourself, hard. Not accepting yourself, way harder. We want to be loved. We want to be loved so bad. We spend our entire lives in search of love. We're like, please, and even the most prickly, People, we talked last week about our little pet porcupines. <laughs> Even the most porcupine people, inside, we just have a megaphone and there is someone screaming, please, I just want someone to love me and see me for who I am. And guess what? God already does that. We are already loved, completely. There is no part of you that is not loved. Even the angry little porcupine part. Even the dark, shameful corner in the closet in your soul that you really don't want to open because there's just an avalanche of stuff that you've been shoving in there for years. All of that is loved. It gives God great happiness to give you the kingdom of healing and hope and belonging and faith and love. All we have to do is open our hands 
in our heart and take it. We'll sing two more songs. So if you want to stand, you don't have to, but if it feels comfortable to stand, we'll sing together and then I will come back and give you a benediction.